Are you captivated by the uncharted possibilities of maps? Intrigued by the transformative force of location intelligence? Welcome to Mapping the Conversations, where you become part of a movement that leverages geospatial technology to navigate the intricate dance between humanity and Earth. Together, we will dive into uncharted waters, chart new territories, and amplify the resounding impact of location intelligence in each conversation. I'm your host, Valerie Brett. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Mapping the Conversations. Today, I have as our guest, none other than Dr. Nadine Alamy, and she's the CEO of the Taylor Geospatial Institute. Welcome, Nadine. Thank you, Valerie. So happy to be here. Really happy to have you. So, Nadine, could you give us an overview of your background leading to your role as a CEO at the Taylor Geospatial Institute? Yes. So I am Nadine Alamy, geospatial cheerleader, a geoholic, <laughs> a term that I didn't invent, but it's one that's resonating a lot because once people see geospatial, they start to see it everywhere because it's in everything we touch, we see, we experience in our daily lives, in our business lives. So geospatial is great. If there's one message out of this, the path is unique as with everybody in geospatial. My angle has always been a technology angle because I did computer engineering for undergrad. And then when I went to MIT, the early days of GIS for me, this was urban planning, this was transportation planning, intelligent transportation systems, civil engineering applications, and the computer science part of this. The path led to remote sensing and earth observations. So these were my days at NASA. And this was in NASA Earth Sciences. And there was an office, it was a brand new office called NASA Geospatial Interoperability Office, GIO. And the mission is, how do you expose NASA's data, Earth Science data, to as many researchers as possible in so many domains, agriculture and environment and defense, and et cetera. So you can totally see where the standards fit in in that path, because I call it standards is almost like sometimes the lazy way of doing things. Instead of doing something for you and for you and for you, I said, stop, I'll just do one thing, whether it's a format, whether it's an API, and say, just come and get it. <laughs> and that's what led to my obsession with OGC, the Open Geospatial Consortium. And my frustration, so we've been in geospatial for how many years? Esri is 50 plus years old. Think about it. So if we take Esri as the example, it's been a long time. And then you still encounter situations where people can't find the information or they don't know how to use it or they cannot integrate that information with the existing systems and so on. And that's what bubbled up the fair. If you're here at the UN levels, findable, accessible, interoperable, reusable, that's, you talk about background bleeding me. This led me to OGC. So this is globally, how can we fix this problem once and for all for disasters and for climate and for health? And I think eventually I ended up here at the Taylor Geospatial Opportunity. And I think I call it, I jumped at the Taylor Geospatial Institute Opportunity because at this frustration of knowing what we can do with geospatial, and it is the largest philanthropic 
gift for geospatial science. That's the Taylor Geospatial Institute, and it's a gift by Andy Taylor, who's the chairman of Enterprise Rental Cars, amongst other things. And that's why I say I jumped, because finally there's this support to actually us doing what we know we can do as geospatial people. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) I love that story, Nadine. So you are at the Taylor Geospatial Institute. You're attracted to the fact that finally it's been recognized that, you know, this can help to solve some problems. And you have this huge opportunity. As CEO, what is your main goal? Many. (laughs) So the best part about this opportunity, and this is another thing that I haven't seen in my career before, And I hope other people take notice of this. So this is a research institute. You'll see where I'm going this, when with respect to my role as a CEO, because before I look internally, I have to see where I'm positioned in the ecosystem. And that institute is part of an economic development plan of St. Louis, Missouri. And the reason it's unique is because this is a region, the Midwest region in the U.S., saying from the highest levels to the lowest levels, right? So from your senators and congressmen to the mayors, to the accelerator programs and incubator programs, geospatial is this thing that can impact, disrupt, enable, transform other industries. It requires a lot of training for a new generation. It has a lot of impact, again, on national security, which is at the heart of St. Louis because the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency is there. So you can see You belong in an ecosystem in St. Louis that is all in on geospatial, which is like, (laughs) woohoo, let's do this. So then the role of the Institute is the research. So that's the innovation. So what are these new ideas that we're going to get out to the world to solve all these problems that we've been talking about? So my role as CEO is a few things. The first one is the institute itself is a consortium of eight, so seven universities and one research center. And people are welcome, of course, to go to the website and get all the information. But as a CEO, my first role is how do we engage that consortium to understand what they're good at and what do they need in terms of geospatial support? And that's priority number one. We call it building a research collaborative. And right now, I think we'll talk a little bit about it later, but the themes that are bubbling up, which we would be very good at, have been agriculture and food security, happy people, happy governments, (laughs) national security. So that's the link as well, amongst many things. Health, because the region has some of the best medical schools and we all had COVID. (laughs) So it makes a lot of sense. So you got that. And then technically it's the AI, it's the machine learning, it's the visualization. Even today we were talking quantum computing, information science, just all of supported by core technology, essentially layer. So that's priority number one. Let's build this research collaborative. In support of that priority number one is the research infrastructure. And since I've just came from the Open Geospatial Consortium, It's an open research infrastructure. So this involves how do we strike the deals with some of the satellite providers or the mobility data providers 
or the population, health and statistics, the biodiversity. So imagine we want to have access to as many data sources as possible so that the researchers don't have to go through that. And I think it's they keep saying 70% of people's time go towards finding, accessing, blah, blah, blah. So how do we have that infrastructure? I'm not saying having all the data in one place, it's just having access to it for all the researchers. So that's two. So the collaborative, the infrastructure, and then there's, I call it preparing the next generation. So not necessarily training them, but again, the tools are changing. And I love the examples. If you think what CZM and Epic Games have done, bringing the whole Unreal Engine and Unity and all of these people, opening our eyes to what we can truly do with digital twins and what are the tools that you need. So we help train because we all have to do this, this next generation of data scientists or leaders. And the last but not least of the four, and I'm using my hands a lot, the last piece of the big puzzle is the commercialization. We can do all the amazing research and have patents and papers and all of this and present at conferences, but it's not going to be impactful if it's not out there. Government can procure it. Industry can use it. So the commercialization aspect, and we have set up an engine called the Tailored Geospatial Engine. And this idea of you're working on research with commercialization in mind from the beginning of your journey. So I think this is the four things I'm trying to do as CEO. Wow. And staying alive. <laughs> staying alive. <laughs> Definitely. I was just about to say, you certainly have your hands full. This is big. This is bold. The center, the institute definitely has a big and bold vision and you are leading a big and bold charge. The Taylor Geospatial Institute wants to be that place, that geoscience space in the country. Can you break down, and you have just given us so much, but if you were to sum it up, what is the strategic vision for the Institute? So I think you said it. So we want to be the partner of choice for geospatial as anybody is trying to do their thing, whether it's changing public health, whether it's changing the transportation system in the U.S., whether it's changing the underground infrastructure, whether we're changing how and where and what we plant, anything, including trees in urban places. So we want to be that partner of choice. And I say, when you close your eyes like 10 years from now, it's hopefully even before that. But if you think about a trusted entity for climate impact, so not the climate research, but the impact of climate. So all the way to COP. So COP28 is happening next week. So eventually I totally see some of our reports because they're unbiased research to actually bubble up to inform decisions at that global level. I can also see governments coming to us and becoming their trusted advisors because, again, it's unbiased research looking at the predictive analytics side of the problems that we're dealing with today. And then you talk strategically, it's having the right partnerships with industry and then zooming in on two, three problems. And I can't share with you right now the one that's bubbling up loud and clear is agriculture, the food security, the climate impact, and the national security. So you see that <laughs> yeah. that workflow in a way. So there's a lot of agriculture land in the Midwest, and I'm learning a lot. 
Like, did you know that 75% of the world's carbon is in the soil? So that's again, so that's the link. So how can we use our remote sensing techniques and our GeoAI to start to derive information about the state of the soil and how can it sequester carbon? This is not my area. So, or how can we reduce it and all of that? And again, something I learned last week, for example, is that by 2050, 40 to 50% of the world's, of the Earth's land cover is going to change, which means we really need to know at the high level and the formal level, what do you plant now for five years from now? Because the water conditions are changing and the soil conditions. And then you talk strategy, you have all of that, but you have the basic geoscience. So what some of the researchers are working on, and don't ask me more details because I honestly don't know, they're too smart. <laughs> How do you use quantum information science for geospatial or this next generation GNSS? So they're experimenting with all this next generation. They're experimenting with, and I think this is huge, all the formulas. So think about now the space sector is buzzing. You have so many satellites, but imagine all the formulas of propagation of data from the satellite to the earth and all of that. And with our climate changing and the density of the atmosphere, even these simple assumptions that we're basing our whole ecosystem on are also changing. So I call it just the basic geoscience, the shifting of the earth. And that's it's all of that. Let's talk again in probably three months where I actually have a strategy. <laughs> so there is a whole lot going on and some of it is mind boggling. But the good thing about it is that's what the center is about. That's what the institute is about. And persons listening don't have to fear that they will have to think about all of these formulas and everything else. They will get it to the point where they click a button and things happen and they get the insights. And that's the yes. beauty about research. So as we stick a little bit on research, I noticed that there's a lot of buzz happening and you are actually trying to employ many researchers and to have fellows. Tell us a little bit about that and what is the main goal of that, really? Yes, an amazing question. So if you go on LinkedIn or Twitter today, you'll see that we are looking for 20 geospatial researchers, which is, from what I understand, is I don't want to say the largest, but it's a large cluster hiring. It's definitely the largest for St. Louis. That's the easy one. And when I look at that consortium, so the consortium is St. Louis University, Missouri Science and Technology, Illinois Urbana-Champaign, the Danforth Plant Science Center, which is the leading plant science center in the world, Harris-Stowe University, University of Missouri, St. Louis, Wash U. So we're trying to get the best of the best for this consortium. So these 20 hires are being led by St. Louis University that the Taylor Geospatial Institute is supporting. And that's the best part. If you look at the actual announcement, geospatial is everywhere. So it's not like we're hiring them for us. You'll see it's in the public health school. It's in the engineering school. It's in the aviation school. It's the earth and atmospheric science school, right? So think about it as seeding. And I think that's where eventually I'm thinking about the Taylor Geospatial Institute as we're fueling geospatial research and technology to make this world a better place, right? Or to propel humanity forward. And that's the fueling is starting with the people and literally it just like their seeds <laughs> all over because eventually that's the ecosystem. That's amazing. 
So Nadine, this has been an amazing conversation. We're just going to pause for a minute as we take a break to get a message from our sponsor. Geotech Vision is proud to sponsor this episode of Mapping the Conversations. As leaders in geospatial technologies, Geotech Vision is committed to empowering conversations that shape our world. From the intricacies of cartography to the future of location-based services, we support this auditory journey. Because at Geotech Vision, we don't just map spaces, we map the future. Welcome back. We are having an amazing conversation with Nadine Alamy, and she is the CEO of the Taylor Geospatial Institute. And we've been talking about how the Taylor Geospatial Institute is really fostering that collaborative ecosystem. So to that point, Nadine, how does the Taylor Geospatial Institute plan to foster that collaborative ecosystem among not just the members of the consortium, but the wider, broader geospatial community? That's the question of the day. So this is the top priority, to be honest, because the whole idea of having an institute that's a consortium is you have to be more than what the entities are doing on their own anyway. Everybody's doing geospatial, right? So what do you do on top of that? And what we're trying to do on top of that is Oh, where are these opportunities that are so big that not one member can actually go for it? That you need the supercomputer from UIUC and you need the acres and acres of land where you can experiment, where you need, I mean, we have a whole drone fleet and a manned plane that collects all sorts of data. What are those big opportunities that require the collaboration? And I think this is why we tend to gravitate towards climate because it is bigger. And then the climate brings in the data and the partnerships with the private sector, which is really big. And it also brings the other not-for-profits along. We know a lot of foundations that are trying to do this, tracking forestation and deforestation worldwide. And then listening, I think, to the problems of we're starting here with our government, the federal government, but it could be eventually the whole idea of collaboration is we will have to find, I call them formal ways to collaborate with entities outside of our consortium and outside of our industry partners. And this is just throwing it out there, eventually having a TGI presence in Europe or in the Middle East or in India or Australia, because we're gonna need, I look at, we were talking crop mapping this morning, Again, not my area. That's why this is so amazing. I'm a geospatial tech person, remember? So crop mapping, you can do it as a research. How do you scale it globally? And then how do you keep it up to date so that anybody who wants the latest crop map, this is actually not easy. And you're going to need a collaboration that's even wider than a small consortium. So we do it like we've always done it, Valerie, and you're probably just one of the best out there. It's just connecting people, connecting organizations together to see the benefit of working together for each one of us and then for the planet. Yeah. So, you know, it's amazing. Everything you just said speaks to the fact that the impact that you foresee for the Taylor Geospatial Institute, it's not about the St. Louis region, but it's going to affect the global landscape. Talk to me a little bit more about how you see that reach happening. You started on that part and I want to go down there a little bit further. Think about it. It's from St. Louis, but really to the world, because none of the problems we're looking at are that local. I don't know. Is there anything local anymore? The most recent trend that I've been hearing is borderless problems. 
if there's a wildfire, it doesn't stop at the border of a county or a country or whatever. If there's a flood and this whole relationship between drought and the flooding, which is like, again, that alone is just eye-opening. So anyways, all of that. So when we talk about scaling some of this research globally, if you look at, if we're tackling, say, how do you predict mudslides so that you can know how to protect your investment in pipelines and infrastructure? This is not our problem. It is everybody's problem. That's why you go from St. Louis to the world. And then if you look at, I go back to the basic geoscience, which is probably harder than all of these. So if we say invent the next GPS or the next generation of GPS, and it becomes in all of our phones and all of our cars, that's from St. Louis to the whole world. If we actually come up with the GeoGP, because everybody now is talking about GeoGPT, this is also like from St. Louis to the world. And all of that is, I'm not necessarily saying there is definitely the productization and the commercialization, but also the ongoing research. This is, I think, what draws the collaboration back. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, yeah, it's actually very exciting. And that's all we're doing. If you can mobilize the smart people, it really doesn't matter after that. Yeah, that's amazing. You've had such a varied career in the geospatial industry. Looking ahead... What are the next big things in geospatial sciences that we need to be paying attention to? So there are two things. I think sometimes we get excited about the next big thing when we haven't solved the thing because disaster prediction, mitigation, recovery. So we definitely need to stay on Mm -hmm. (laughs) that path of solving the actual problems there. But when it goes to geospatial technology, and it's nothing that I say I think is new because we've been saying it in our geospatial circles, we need to say it more with others at the same time. This concept of digital twin, not because it's sexy or whatever, or it's new, These digital twins that everybody's talking about these days, and I call the urban digital twins, not the plane and the car parts. In some of our heads, this is what we had in our heads the first time we opened a GIS package. This was the potential. The potential is here. It's not the next big thing and just building the digital twin is like, oh my God, what you can then do with it. So I totally see that. AI is scratching the surface. The whole, I know we all talk about GeoAI, but I would love to become the GeoAI center of expertise, for example, at the Taylor Geospatial Institute. And what does that mean? What does that mean when you have ChatGPT? What are the foundation models that you need for between Earth observation and feature extraction and detection and all of that? The next big thing in geospatial technology is also the scaling at so many levels. So the scaling, that's why we talk about cloud-native geospatial. So scaling at that level, scaling as in the streaming and the visualization. That's why I'm excited about the gaming engines. And again, the scaling of the GPT, (laughs) whatever equivalent. So it's really getting from the data to some answers to quests and trusting so you get, you bundle in that the ethics and, you know, the security and the privacy and all of that and becomes more than three big things. And they have to all happen together. Wow. One thing we can say is that in geospatial, there's never a dull moment. Nope. Certainly, <laughs> there's always something going on, but we just don't do this for the sake of doing it. It's as you've alluded to, it's always in service of something, solving those problems. 
So as you look at that, are there any upcoming projects or initiatives at the Taylor Geospatial Institute that you're particularly excited about? So I think that's TBD because we need to identify. So in my head, in the first quarter of 2024, we'll be announcing a couple initiatives, which will be these projects. And again, it's the themes that are bubbling up. So events and so on, that's the easy part. But I'm trying to think how we can build on this momentum of this community to define how do we do measurement and monitoring and verification of missing? This is you link back to COP at a research level. So again, I go back to this is trusted research. This is not selling something in a black box, which leads me to the whole open science thing. So can we do a project where we can show the benefits of open science? We're planning a couple of projects on the commercialization. So because we need to take the researchers on this journey that they don't just do the research, we're linking them to the companies or to the customer. And it goes back to the scaling. Is it the cloud? Is it the AI? Is it the supercomputers? Is it the quantum computing? So I think stay tuned for the upcoming projects. This is our problem. Our problem is not lack of opportunities, it's the opposite. It's an abundance of opportunities and you have to be selective in a way where you're doing good. You're, what is it, the three circles? You're doing something you're good at, you're doing something that you love, but it also makes money because you need to be sustainable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we will definitely be staying tuned to hear more about that. And you're right. They sound like there are lots of opportunities. And amidst opportunities, there are challenges. What are some of the challenges that you're foreseeing and already trying to figure out how you're going to overcome those? So I think we go back to the four things we're trying to build. So we're going to focus on the food security, the agriculture, the health and the national security. So that's at the high level. The carbon monitoring, sequestration, all of that, it's bubbling up. The impacts, thinking about it as the anticipatory science behind geospatial. So the power of geospatial and helping you anticipating things. The challenges is keeping up with everything that's happening in geospatial. We still have all these companies and products and in that, which is really great, it's actually exposing all of that buzz in industry to the research community. So that essentially, again, I go back to preparing the research community to accelerate what they're doing. I think the other challenge is the challenge of focus and finding the right partners along the way. Because what I'd like to do is, it's not the Taylor Geospatial Institute announcing an initiative, it's actually find two, three other partners and together we're announcing. So it's like really... We're a consortium, but we build a bigger consortium because it's food security or water security or I don't know what, right? Yeah, I tend to say this a lot here, but it sounds like we're talking about collaborating to innovate. And that's something that we do often in this space. Yeah, it's collaborate, not just only actually to innovate, but actually to just do. Yes. <laughs> just do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> you and I met at the UNGGIM. It's just like taking everything that we're saying here to the level of UNGGM so that they can take it back down. Yeah. And what does that look like? What does that collaboration look like? So we're not all in our bubbles. Yeah. Amazing. So Nadine, reflecting on your career, I always like to figure out the advice that we give to those coming in the industry, the next generation, right? 
So what advice would you give to someone looking to enter the geospatial field? Be curious. <laughs> you got to love it. You got to have this curiosity. This is how like, I'm finding out now that we're hiring people. This is what clicks with me. Like, oh, this person, you can see it in their eyes and connect. So I'll tell you, here's a very simple example. Somebody contacted me yesterday. In one of my recent presentations, I had just a screenshot of a workshop that was by the Academies of Sciences here in the United States. And it said geospatial talent crisis or geospatial workforce crisis, something like that. And then this guy from LinkedIn, he says, I saw this. And I'm like, I've been trying to find a job for three months. What crisis is there? I'm right here. Am I not saying the right thing on my resume? And I said, check out some of these conferences that we go to. That's why we go to just check the list of companies there. They may not say, hey, geospatial. But when you look closely, it is geospatial. So that's what I'm saying. Just like be curious and don't be afraid to just say your ideas. Say, you know, we can do this and that. And if they get it. So be curious, be not aggressive. It's assertive. Assertive. Yeah. Confident, all of that. And trust your instinct. That's my, if you talk about my lesson to me, which I need to remind myself all the time, trust your instinct. You can tell if this opportunity is for you or not. And keep learning. My God, there's so much free training out there. Go for it. It's easy to build a prototype right now. Yeah. Take advantage. Amazing advice. What lessons have you learned in leadership that could be valuable to our listeners? many of whom may be aspiring leaders in the geospatial field themselves. Be fearless. Don't be afraid. Jump. It's okay. I've learned the world is a big place. So if it doesn't work out, you'll find something. You will always land on your feet because you have something to bring to this world, whether it's your talent or your skills or your education or your network, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to be a leader, go for it. But at the same time, being a leader sounds sexy, but it's actually all you're doing is attracting the smart people around you. Again, the best advice I got actually last week was don't try to be interesting, be interested. And I love that. So it's essentially, it's like, again, be curious. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just reach out to strangers and say, I have this idea. Does it work in your company? And then raise your hand. My God, raise your hand because you'll never be a leader. If somebody says, we have this idea, we don't have to go, I'll try it. Because <laughs> that's leadership. It has to start from you. Thank you so much, Nadine. Before we go, though, I want to ask you one last question. What message would you leave with our audience about the importance of geospatial sciences and research in general? The message is the longer I stay in this field, the more I see the opportunities and the more I appreciate it. So there's a big awareness opportunity at the very least and an impact opportunity. So the message about geospatial is dig into it. There are still a lot of applications and opportunities that geospatial can truly transform. You look at what companies like CartoDB is doing with media and banking, and it's like, we're really just scratching the surface. If you look at the carbon accounting and the methane stuff and all the verification, this is a whole market that we haven't started yet, or it's just starting so that's my message is dig into it and find a cause that you like, and then you'll find an application for geospatial in it. 
It's limited by our imaginations, right? So yes, I love yeah, that. Yeah, think about it. Gaming companies are now hiring geospatial people. Go for it, people. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nadine. Dig in, be curious. That's been your message. I love it. Thank you so much for being here with us and mapping the conversations. Thank you, Valerie. So great to be here. Thank you for everything you do to our geospatial community. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mapping the Conversations. Join us for the next episode as we build and propel this movement forward.